Hi, everyone. My name is Ryan Alexander, and I serve as the lead pastor at Hosanna. As we've been saying for years, we believe the Lord led you here. And we hope that what you hear today will encourage you to take a step forward in your faith journey and help you look more like Jesus. After today's message, I encourage you to download the Hosanna app for more opportunities to connect and grow. Here's today's message. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Per Nielsen, and I'm one of the pastors here at Hosanna. It is so good to be sharing God's word with you today. We have a great celebration taking place at Hosanna this weekend. There are 19 people being baptized in the name of Jesus and 19 lives whose trajectories are being changed. Now, baptism is one of the many ways that life change happens here at Hosanna through your financial support. And if you have not reached the point yet where you have stepped into tithing as a part of your faith journey and you consider Hosanna your church home, I want to encourage you to start that journey today. You can simply text Hosanna Give to 94000. You'll get a text message back. Follow that link. You can set up one time or recurring giving. I also want to let you know that we are approaching the end of our fiscal year. Our fiscal year concludes in the month of August, and so we would love to have this body of believers come together and conclude our financial year with great strength. Thank you in advance for your faithful, faithful giving. We're in the midst of a series on Ephesians, and each and every week the preaching pastor has been given the opportunity to share some of their own heart about a particular section on the book of Ephesians. Let's remember that Ephesians is a personal letter written by the Apostle Paul to this thriving metropolis of Ephesus where there are a number of different churches in the area. And so today we're going to be focusing in on chapter 3. And in chapter 3, I just want to speak a word of encouragement. A word of encouragement to you, God's people. Now the Bible says that we are to encourage one another and to build each other up. And I've got to tell you, uh, pastorally, over the course of the last year, as I've talked with family and friends, as, as I've engaged many in the life of this body of believers in conversation, uh, I've seen weariness in their eyes and hesitation in their hearts. I've seen the downtrodden looks and the gasps of exasperation. And they've been looking for encouragement um, in this season where it's really had more discouragement than at any other time that I've experienced pastorally in my 30 years of ministry. And so today I, I really want to bring encouragement to you in three ways. And the three ways are simply this, with the presence of Jesus, with the perspective of Jesus, and with the purpose of Jesus, as we see in his mystery, the mystery of his love for us. Let's get started with encouragement from the presence of Jesus. You know, in the first week of this series, pastors Ryan and Jen had a great message on the significance of lifting our head and gaining a new perspective. And as I was listening to that message, a passage of scripture came to mind. It comes from Psalm 3, verse 3. Let me just read it for you. It says this, but you, O Lord, are a shield around me. You're my glory, the one who lifts my head high. And as I began to think about that phrase, um, I started to think about the significance of one who lifts your head high. It brought me back to when I was a father with my children and when my children would feel downcast or sad or despairing and they would have their heads bowed. As a father, I would gently reach down and take their chin and, and lift their chin 
and look them in the eye. And I thought to myself, what a profound image for our God, that our God is attentive enough and close enough and concerned enough to reach down from time to time in our lives and simply take our chin and lift our head high. And then I thought to myself, as, as he lifts our head high, what is it that we see as God lifts our head high? And the scriptures tell us what we see. In the book of Hebrews, it says this about the vision that we carry. It says, fix our eyes on Jesus as God lifts our head high. We gain new perspective, we gain encouragement, and ultimately we look into the eyes of Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Church, do not grow weary and lose heart. When God lifts your head, your perspective on the world changes. When God lifts your head, your perspective on other people changes. And the reason your worldview changes and the reason your perspective on other people changes is because when you look into the eyes of Jesus, you start to gain a perspective of how Jesus sees, how Jesus sees the world and how Jesus sees other people. That brings us to point number two. I want you to be encouraged because of Jesus' perspective for you. In Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 19, uh, the Apostle Paul speaks a prayer of encouragement into the life of the Ephesian church. And the Ephesian church at this point in time is wrestling with a number of things. We have to remember that they're a, they're a fairly small community of churches in this major metropolitan area where there is all kind of eclectic religions taking place. And because they're a small subset of the religious sphere in this community, uh, their beliefs are challenged regularly. They're put down regularly. Their, their behaviors are dismissed and, and sometimes just decried as being irrelevant or, or non-constructive. And so the Apostle Paul is writing to this church, this church that needs encouragement, and he speaks these profound words of prayer in verses 14 through 19. Now, I'm going to read this prayer to you, and I'd love for you to highlight it in your own Bibles, but I also want you to listen for something. Listen for a particular word that is used throughout the prayer. Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 19. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in the heaven and on earth. And I pray for, that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. This prayer is filled with promise and with power, with encouragement and edification, with stability and a set direction forward. 
and, and did you hear the focus? The focus is you. You are the object of God's affection. You are the object of God's affection. I love the way Tim Keller takes this and many other gospel-oriented passages throughout the New Testament and summarizes it in his book, The Reason for God. Here's what he says. The Christian gospel is that I am so flawed that Jesus had to die for me, yet I am so loved and valued that Jesus was glad to die for me. Now, Paul recognizes that this kind of love is, is just too complex to fully understand. It's just too difficult to fully understand. In fact, he says that in his prayer. He says this, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. And throughout the book of Ephesians and in other biblical works, Paul talks about this as one of the mysterious elements of who God is, that there's this love that's just too great to fully understand. In fact, in the book of Ephesians, the third chapter, verse four, he talks about this as the mystery of Christ. So the presence of Jesus brings encouragement. The perspective of Jesus brings encouragement. And now the purpose of Jesus and his mysterious love for the world brings encouragement as well. Here's a little something that, that you may not know about the word that gets translated as mystery. Um, it's used regularly throughout the Bible, but it finds this emphasis here in the book of Ephesians. In the book of Ephesians, this term is used seven times with four of them occurring in the third chapter of the book of Ephesians. And that's one of the reasons that I'm focusing in on this word, because it is so substantive to the work of the Apostle Paul in this particular chapter and to the church in Ephesus. But it is also a term that defines one of the challenges many people have in the Christian faith. They hear the term mystery, that, that the faith is mysterious, and all of a sudden they go, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. And, and there are really three ways that this provides a challenge. The first way is this. People hear the term mystery or the mystery of faith and they go, well, if it's mysterious, it's not understandable. And if it's not understandable, it really doesn't have any meaning for my life. The second way is this. Well, if it's mysterious, it's not understandable, so I need to make it understandable. So I'm going to shape it and mold it into something that fits me. Ultimately, we end up creating our own gods this way. And third is this, that it's mysterious and I don't understand it except through the nature of magic or some kind of other magical experience. And, and so Jesus then gets reduced down to a philosopher or a magician, and that's really all that he is. But the Apostle Paul understands this word in a much more significant way. The Apostle Paul understands this word in a way that carries all kinds of meaning and isn't just relegated to something that you get to shape on your own or something that's just magical in nature. See, see the use of this term mystery is absolutely critical in this letter because the church in Ephesus is surrounded by groups that are called mystery cults. The most significant of those is actually found in, in, in a building called the Temple of Artemis, which was one of the seven natural wonders of the ancient world. The Temple of Artemis housed this mystery cult. But around them, everywhere they go, 
are these mystery elements. And they're mystery elements that, that go through initiation rites and rituals. And when they come out of those initiation rites and rituals, they have secrets that they can't share with anyone. And, and those secrets are not just about the initiation rites and rituals, but they're actually about the knowledge that they have obtained through the rites and rituals, the deeper knowledge. And these people would move from mystery cult to mystery cult to mystery cult to mystery cult as they desired to move. So the Apostle Paul is, is speaking to a church in the context of these mystery cults, and he wants to align this idea of mystery with a part of the Christian life so that people begin looking at mystery through the lens of Jesus. So we need to ask the question, why? Why does the Apostle Paul do this? Well, the Apostle Paul does this because he doesn't want to just convey information he does this because he cares about the people of Ephesus and he doesn't want them to get wrapped up in the context of this mystery cult religion that so permeates their society. So the Apostle Paul addresses these mysteries in a significant, significant way so that the people can be edified and encouraged in following who Jesus is. He wants Jesus' love for them to be the filter through which they see the idea of mystery. That his love is not understandable. It, it is a mystery. That great a love is a mystery. In fact, he talks about this in verse 19. He says this, May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. It, it's a mystery. We, we just can't get it completely. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So there are three things that are vital when it comes to understanding the mystery of God's love that we see for us in the person of Jesus Christ. The first is this. The mystery of Christ's love includes you. Remember that word you. You are the object of God's affection. You are the object of God's affection. Paul wants you to understand the love that Christ has for you. Secondly, the mystery of Christ's love fulfills you. Let's take a look back at this passage again. It says, then you will be made complete with fullness. Now, if you are here seeking meaning, wondering about how do you find fulfillment in life, what the Apostle Paul is saying here is that we find fulfillment in life in the mystery of Christ's love for us. Something that we can't fully understand. But there is fulfillment there. There is completeness there. There is meaning there. The third element the Apostle Paul wants to bring to us is that the mystery of Christ's love empowers you. Again, let's take a look at the text. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness and power that comes from God. There is something about this mystery that encourages your faith and brings you fulfillment and empowers you to carry out the mission that God has set before you. And for the Apostle Paul, here's what it is. It's very, very straightforward. Here's what it is. The mystery of Jesus is grounded in the history of Jesus. The mystery of Jesus is grounded in the history of Jesus. Um, when I was young, I used to love to watch those old murder mystery shows. Uh, Perry Mason was my favorite. I don't know if you've ever done that. Maybe you watch them now. 
But there was something just so compelling about those shows. And what was interesting to me as I reflected on those shows in light of this text was that those murder mystery shows had detectives who would go back and they would research the history of a given mystery. And as they researched the history of this mystery, all of a sudden the mystery became more understandable. It became clearer to them. So history helped to reveal the mystery for those murder mysteries. And the same is true for the mystery of Christ's love for us. History helps to reveal the mystery. In fact, I'm going to say this, that the mystery of Jesus plus the history of Jesus in the past is what gives us a grounded faith. Let me say that again. The mystery of Jesus plus the history of Jesus in the past gives us a grounded faith. That's one of the spiritual distinctives in the Christian faith. That the mystery that we talk about of Christ's love for the world is grounded in history. So let me give you this word of encouragement, church. And it is a really important word of encouragement. The faith you proclaim is a faith grounded in history. I mean, in fact, it is so grounded in history that literally if you never had a Bible, you could take a look back in the historical writings at the time of Jesus or shortly after the time of Jesus, and you would find writings from politicians and historians and letters back and forth to people, and you could find over 120 different elements of Jesus' life contained in those writings, including his death and the conversation about his resurrection, all contained in those. That's remarkable. That's absolutely remarkable for our faith. The mystery of God's love for the world in the person of Jesus Christ is grounded in history. It is absolutely grounded in history. But if you think about this, history not only has a past, but it has a present. And so let me bring you this word of encouragement. That the mystery of Christ's love for you, combined with history in the present, is what salvation and discipleship is all about. It's the mystery of Christ's love making itself manifest in your life here and now today. Now, becoming a believer is, is not a magical experience, but it does contain some mystery. The Holy Spirit works in our lives. The Holy Spirit creates change. The Holy Spirit gives nudgings. The Holy Spirit brings encouragement. And we don't completely understand how it all works. We don't grasp how the love of Christ moves in our life in that particular way but we do know that it happens. So let me speak to those of you who right now have one of those internal stirrings, uh, those internal notions, those internal nudges to, to engage faith in a different way. And let me suggest to you that that is Christ's love, the mystery of Christ's love in the power of the Holy Spirit moving in your life. And that ultimately, Jesus and his love for you wants to change your history. He wants to change your history. The mystery of Christ's love plus our history changes the trajectory of who we are. And that's what God wants for you. So we have history in the past and history in the present, but we also have history in the future. And when we combine the mystery of Christ's love with 
the history of the future, what we have is missions. We are called to carry this good news. We are called to carry the love of Christ into the future. We are called to carry it into other people's lives. And let me just say this, for those of you who are followers of Jesus, this is a non-negotiable for those who follow Jesus. It's an absolute non-negotiable. We are called to engage this mission. We are called to serve this mission of Christ's love for the world. Here at Hosanna, we want to multiply the hope and the heartbeat of Jesus. And that's you, and that's me, and that's a call to serve that we have each and every day. And this call to serve, this call to carry this, this mysterious love of Jesus out into the world is having global impact. Now, for all of the, the negative uh, uh, media that Christianity gets, and some of it's deserved and much of it isn't, the truth of the matter is, is that the gospel message is still moving throughout the world and transforming people's lives. Uh, let me just give you some encouragement by telling you a little bit about what's taking place globally. On a global scale, Christianity is growing at five times the rate of atheism. Five times the rate. On a global scale, Christianity will top three billion adherents by 2050. And presently today is the only faith element in the world that carries over two billion adherents. Presently, in this year, 95 million Bibles are being printed. By the year 2025, over 100 million Bibles will be printed and distributed. And that doesn't even include all of the digital readings that people do that contains the Word of God. Here in the United States, the United States is projected to grow by 600,000 Christians annually over the course of the next 30 years. And here at Hosanna, we are doing our part. So over this last year, we have had over 100 people give their lives to Jesus for the very first time and 214 baptisms. Let, let's bring this down to just a very, very practical, very personal level because ultimately this is about you and me who have been impacted by the person of Jesus Christ. And if, if God has touched your heart, if the Lord has changed your story, if the mysterious love of Christ has poured in a love that you can't completely understand and changed the trajectory of your history, your calling is to be a part of the mission team for Jesus Christ. And church, if you call Hosanna your church home, it begins here in this place. There are all kinds of needs. There are all kinds of opportunities to get connected. There are all kinds of ways to serve. And I'm going to make it easy for you right now. I'm going to invite you to take out your phone right now and simply text Hosanna Serve to 94000. Text Hosanna Serve to 94000. This church, this body of Christ needs the missional character that you bring to the kingdom of God. Make that decision right now. Step in and serve in the ways of faith. As I close today, I just want to bring a story that for me summarizes all of the encouragement that, that I've been talking about. The encouragement of, of Jesus' presence and Jesus' perspective and of Jesus' purpose. 
And it brings us back to the crucifixion scene. Uh, Jesus is on the cross with a thief on his left and a thief on his right. And one of those thieves um, wants to have some meaning in his life. And the other thief is just dismissing Jesus as a nobody, as a loser. And the one thief who wants some meaning in his life, some eternal meaning, looks at Jesus and says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus looks back at that thief and he says, today you will be with me in paradise. Then just imagine that thief dying and now standing at the gates of heaven with all of the gatekeepers there. And he finds all of those gatekeepers mumbling under their breath and he can hear them. Who, who's this guy? How did he get here? We know what he's done. He hasn't done anything significant. He's a thief for heaven's sake. And finally, someone speaks up and, and looks at the thief and says, how in the world did you get into heaven? We know what you've done. We know who you are. How, how you got here is a complete mystery to us. To which the thief humbly responds, frankly, it's a mystery to me. All I know is the man on the middle of the cross said I could be here. Church, the man on the middle cross said you could be here. The object of Christ's love is you. It fulfills you. It empowers you. Church, be encouraged. Be encouraged with the presence of Jesus. Be encouraged with the perspective of Jesus. And be encouraged with the purpose of Christ's mysterious love for you and for the world. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, I thank you uh, for your word. I thank you for your presence and your perspective and your purpose that you have shown to this world through the majestic love of your son, Jesus Christ, grounded in history through his death on the cross and resurrection to new life, but certainly contained in mystery, something that we can't fully understand. And I pray, dear God, that the mystery of the love of Christ and the history of the love of Christ would take root in people's hearts today and that you would call us all and compel us all to share that mysterious love and the history of that love where we live, work, study, and play. Bless us with those words of encouragement, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, thanks so much for joining us for our time of worship today. And I want to encourage you to take in the questions that we have written um, so that you can continue processing the, the mystery of Christ and the history of Christ for your life specifically. I want to invite you back next week. Pastor Chris Gresseth will be bringing the message. It's going to be another profound message on the book of Ephesians. And church, let me leave you with this ancient blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine on you and may he be gracious to you. May he look upon you with amazing favor and may he give you remarkable peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.